Has Jose Abreu's bat risen from the dead? Jose Altuve sure has. And on the other side, Houston's arms are keeping a lot of bats quiet. We'll talk about it next on episode 25 of Stone Cold Strohs, and it starts right now. Welcome into Stone Cold Shows. I'm Brandon Strange, and I'm joined by senior content contributor Charlie Polo. You should check out his weekly column on sportsmap.com. It's good stuff. And the guy who edits that column is Josh Jordan. He is the editor of sportsmaphouston.com. Charlie's on Twitter at Palillo. Josh on Twitter at JoshJordan975. Guys, how you doing? For episode 25, I'm going with a quickie salute to Astros retired number 25, Chael Cruz, who's 75 years old. I'm wow. not saying he could out-hit Jose Abreu now, but Jose Cruz looks tremendous. I bet you he could handle the bat in that at least VP still. Absolutely. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see that, actually. I'd love to see Chael Cruz out there on the Diamonds. Guys, um, amongst other updates that we got this week, let's get right into it. Um, we, heard, we got updates about Jose Arquiti, Lance McCullers. Uh, Dusty says that Arquiti is throwing 90 feet now. Obviously, it's just soft tossing, nothing with any real velocity to it. But he's encouraged by the progress. McCullers, on the other hand, well, we know what the update is. Uh, John and Lance did a uh, McCullers video uh, this week on the channel and Sports Map, uh, the Sports Map YouTube channel. Uh, that just, you know, he's, he's no longer throwing from the mound. So that's not encouraging, but what is encouraging is when Arquiti and Luis Garcia went down in consecutive games this season, things look dark. Garcia went down on May 1st. And here we are 31 days later, as we record this, the team has a league best uh, team ERA at 316. Uh, get it? Stone cold. Brandon Belak, six games, has a 319 ERA, 28 Ks, and 31 innings pitch. JP France, five games, a four even ERA, 26 Ks, and 27 innings pitch. Charlie, how much has it meant to the Astros to be able to tread water and to lose two of their starters and to be able to plug in JP France and Brandon Belak and keep not only just keep trucking along, but be the league leaders in ERA? Yeah, obviously massive. We're now into the middle third of the season. The Astros completed the first third on pace to win 96 games, which is falling short relative to 106 last year, or seasons of 101, 103, 107. But pragmatically speaking, going into any season, if you're assured 96 wins, you take that. It's putting you in the playoffs, certainly. More often than not, it will win the division. The Texas Rangers are looking increasingly problematic as a, as a long-haul factor this season. Uh, now, neither Garcia nor Urquidy were off to tremendous starts this season, so their numbers weren't quite as good as they would have been expected to produce over 162 innings, but that you haven't fallen apart in their absence, that you haven't needed to go to your bullpen in the third inning, uh, two guys in your rotation uh, on a regular basis. Uh, Belak, unless it's a, a real turning of the worm with the increased use of the changeup against the Twins, I think a little bit of fool's gold with his ERA, way too many base runners on when he faces better competition going to be troublesome france i think has major league stuff his issue through the minors was lack of command over four walks per nine innings he's been much better than that so far with the astros so if he can sustain that as a back end of the rotation a whole bunch of teams do a lot worse than that 
Yeah, it's been fantastic. They've needed this. I mean, the offense is still not there yet. Altuve is certainly helping. Thank goodness he's back. But they got to keep the other team to three or four runs to to win these ball games. You know, every now and then you get those ten road ten run explosions, but you know that you can't count on that too often with this squad. So the pitching's got to be there. The bullpen's got to be there, and it's so far so good. You know, we'll see. I know Dana Brown gave an update on McCullers even just today, saying that you know he felt some discomfort during a bullpen session and that's why they that's why they shut him down which is probably what we thought happened right i mean what else would it be so it's been incredible because i agree with charlie i I think france has some good stuff be like just a lot like maybe zach grinky you know just pitching with a lot of grit finding ways to get guys out and he's not going to strike out a whole ton of guys but he's getting the job done they need it and I mean, look where they are. They're, they're doing pretty well. And we'll see if they, uh, you know, they get into a six man rotation at some point. But right now, these five guys are getting it done. One of the topics that came up immediately when those guys went down was the topic of trading for an arm. And, you know, Dusty was asked about uh, the need and he, he made a comment about how hoped that they would have prioritized a veteran arm, uh, you know, being added to the rotation during the offseason. But he made a comment, something along the lines of, well, you know, I have a little pull, but I, I can't go make the moves. Does their performance through where we're at six games, does it does this deprioritize maybe the need, especially as we know, looks like McCullers isn't coming back anytime soon. Uh, you, we know Garcia is done for the year. Arkady wasn't great he wasn't a world beater before he went down i think he was carrying a five era before he went down um so is is there still an urgency do you think they they still should go look at bringing in uh maybe a veteran the name dylan Cease has gotten thrown around obviously that may take more assets than the Astros have but do you think there's as big of a priority now uh, i think the antennae still have to be up if you are Dana brown uh, I think at the moment, there's not urgency, dot, dot, dot. But the safety net of depth is pretty frayed at this point. Uh, if you're into talisman, four-leaf clovers, rabbit's feet, whatever, <laughs> right? Fromber, Javier, Hunter Brown. That's a one, two, three that can play and pitch with, with anybody. But if someone runs into a, a physical bump there, uh, particularly with Hunter Brown, I don't necessarily mean injury, but he threw a professional high last season, regular season, plus playoffs, 130 innings. Well, he's on pace for 170 this year as a mainstay in the Astros rotation. I think ideally the Astros, if not giving him a little midseason siesta, if they have the luxury to do it, that's where, as Josh alluded to, that six-man rotation, that if you do that two, three turns through, that you're kind of buying one start's worth of additional rest for Hunter Brown. Uh, To a lesser extent, same thing with Christian Javier, who upped his workload notably last year, increasing it more the subsequent season. How does he hold up over 162 games? Uh, The staff that they have right now is a get-you-to-the-playoffs staff. Uh, The burden is on the offense to pick it up if the pitching maintains, because for hiccups and a guy here imploding, Montero for a while in the bullpen, Brian Abreu a couple of hiccups recently, they're number three in the game in starting pitching ERA. They're number three in the game in bullpen ERA. You combine them, they're number one in the game in total earned run average. So the pitching, all in all, has been just swell. Yeah, they're 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 looking good. I don't think I'd be making a move at this point. You know, you you know, you keep your ears open, but 
you know, so far so good. You hope you get her cutie back. And, you know, when you get to the playoffs, you know, four starters. So, you know, if you got four guys you feel good about as you get there, then I think maybe you hold tight. And, you know, we'll see with the Rangers. You know, they're, they're killing it right now. But, you know, we'll see if they hit a skid or maybe they deal with some injuries at some point and And the division looks a little different. But, you know, right now, I, I think you sit tight. Well, and in reality, also, if you want to acquire anything other than a, a Jake Odorizzi level starting pitcher to use one name, the Astros don't have the goods to make the best offer. The farm system is weak, whether it's the Texas Rangers, the Tampa Bay Rays, a host of other teams have more than that they can put in play. The Astros, you're not going to dangle Drew Gilbert for starting pitcher. So uh, the idea that the Astros could go bid on a, a Verlander 2017, a Granky 2019 guy, if on the market, it's just not real feasible for this this team this year. We, John and Lance talked a little bit about this yesterday and their kind of reaction to the McCullers news. You know, they talked about the fact that the Astros have been able to, uh, you know, utilize and, and showcase some guys that are probably lesser known names, maybe a little longer in the tooth and are normally part of trade packages, but guys like, you know, Corey Jolks, uh, Jazz McCormick, guys who have some pop in the bat, who could be you know utility guys on other teams. Um, do those guys do anything for you? Do, do they do they bring? I mean, especially if if a team's going to lose a guy anyway, if he's in the final year of his deal, uh, and you know they're not going to be able to. There's no team control to leverage. Uh, you know, can you do that with some you know maybe mid to low prospect uh, guys? But if if you're sending over a guy who has already shown he's not uh, intimidated or over overmatched at the major league level by major league pitching. Those guys have some value, correct? Uh, not to get you a number four starter in return, not Corey Jilks. McCormick's already 27 years old, but you know he's established he's a solid enough major leaguer. Are you robbing Peter to pay Paul? Or are you going to trust Jake Myers completely? Uh, I'm still holding out hope that that Drew Gilbert could rocket his way to the major leagues, doing very well, not destroying it at double A, but doing well enough that come August, if he's performing at that level, I'd have no problem at all uh, giving him the shot. Uh, But again, if you're talking backup type players, platoon type players, a team trading a starting pitcher is more likely looking for real quality prospects. Now, maybe there are a couple of low minor leaguers that might be of interest to another team, but it does circle back to that Astros farm system, which wasn't going to remain elite for level uh, forever when you're drafting low, when you lose first and second round picks back to back years, also some mistakes along the way. The Astros are playing the short stack in terms of trades. Uh, again, go back to Verlander and Granke. You know, what made them great heists at the time and in review, pretty much nobody the Astros gave up in either of those trades. Remember, Daz Cameron or Franklin Perez or Seth Beer. Collectively, they've amounted to Bubkis, but they were very esteemed prospects at the time that were major pieces enticing enough to get grade A top of the rotation starting pitchers. And the Astros just don't swim in uh, that uh, depth of the ocean with what they can put on the table now. Yeah. And considering when you ask people about the Astros farm system, you, they don't think much of it, but they manage to keep bringing up guys that contribute. So you wonder if there's, you know, some GM that kind of goes, maybe I should look at some of these borderline professional hitters for the Astros. I know their system isn't ranked high, but they've been developed well. Maybe they could do something for us. And, you know, Corey Lee's having a really nice season down in the minors and, you know, Diaz at the big league levels kind of struggling behind the plate right now. You wonder if that, that's something they look at. Do they feel like they have 
extra catchers possibly? Would somebody be interested in that? I'm not sure, but that's something I'll keep an eye on. Justin Dearden is still playing really well. You know, the, the, the spring training darling, Justin Dearden's having a nice season, a really nice May. I believe he's hitting 316 this month. So th- there, there is some stuff down there besides Drew Gilbert, but I don't know. Until my, I want to know what the deal is with Michael Brantley before you start dealing off outfield depth. Yeah, and before we get into the the offensive stuff, I just wanted to one thing about the pitching is you know we brought up the the possibility of a six man rotation. We're in the midst. We're five games into this seventeen consecutive game uh, stretch. Dana Brown's spoken about the possibility of a six man rotation. Do we see Renell Blanco show up, you know, get recalled and, and get tapped for the rotation and give those guys a, a, a breathe like you were talking about, Charlie? I really see no other candidate. Right? You're biding time till Arquiti gets back. Uh, Forrest Whitley had his little flourish of excellence. Then he backslid and his arms trouble again. There's a shocker. Uh, so Blanco pitched well in spring training. Dana Brown uh, tabbed him as a guy. Hey, maybe we try to stretch him out. Didn't fare well in limited taste in the bullpen. Uh, what is he on a 16-inning stretch of, of good ball? So very small sample size. But his ERA is barely a half. Has walked 13 batters, though, in those 16 innings. It's a different level, fundamentally, major leagues versus minor leagues. But for a spot start or two spot starts, a couple turns through the rotation, right? almost every rotation in baseball has a guy that you're thinking when he goes to the mound, well, let's hope we score six runs or more today. So to put Blanco in there, and even if he doesn't fare well, in the bigger picture, if it's getting a little extra rest, spreading out workload time of some on Javier, on Brown. Um, what, you'd rather be uh, pound-wise than penny-wise, pound-foolish? So it's not like you're sacrificing a game or two if you pitch Ronel Blanco as a, as a sixth man in your rotation short, ter- short term. But there's nothing about his pedigree, right? He turns 30 this year that you're saying, hey, let's just go six-man rotation the rest of the way because we have six real good major league starters. The Astros don't have that. No, I, I think it's probably going to happen. They asked Dusty about it this week. He said, we're discussing it. And he said, you know, you don't really want to divulge that information if they're going to do it, was his quote, you know, basically meaning that, you know, somebody has to go if you go to the six-man rotation. Dusty said he doesn't want any of his guys pitching scared. But I think it's coming. And on Ronel Blanco, I I know the sample size is small, but they did achieve what they were looking for as far as stretching him out. His last two starts, he went five innings and five and a third innings, gave up zero runs in both outings. So he is stretched out if they need him to come in here and, and give him a start. You know, Houston lets JV walk over the offseason because of their depth. And then now we're looking at potentially three AAA players starting for the Astros this season in, in consecutive games. You know, while the Astros carry a league best ERA, I do think it's interesting at the top of the rotation, you know, Fromber has kind of a, a deceptive uh, win loss record. I still think Javier and Fromber, you know, I mean, probably Fromber more than Javier. They're, they could probably still be better. I, I don't think they've pitched as good as they can yet. Uh, and again, like even, and that's with Fromber having a 2.38 ERA and then with uh, Christian Javier having a 2.97. Those guys are still, I think, rounding into shape. So they could pitch even better. Here's what I'll say is I've learned my lesson now after this sample size of BLAC in France. I'm not going to take uh, Ronel Blanco's starts for granted because what the Astros have been able to do during the regular season has been pretty impressive. And hats off to everybody that's making that happen behind the scenes, all the the coaches and uh, the guys in the minor league levels, helping them develop these guys. 
So from the starter to the bullpen, Astros carrying a bullpen ERA of 3.07. Now, Montero's struggles have been well-documented this season, but the man of the hour is Phil Maton. He is the man right now at a .68 ERA and a whip of .5. Charlie, what do you attribute this dramatic turnaround for, for Phil Maton? I'm going to go with the vagaries of relief pitching in, in Major League Baseball. Right. It's not as if he hasn't had any success as a big leaguer before. Last season, he was very shaky, and then it ends ignominiously, giving up a base hit to his brother, then breaking his hand, punching the dugout. Um, Phil Maton, free agent to be. Now, has that led to a laser-like focus, knowing he's pitching for his supper and about a billion suppers uh, with the money that's on the market for uh, relief pitchers these days? See Rafael Montero. Um, but Maton, you know, he's a guy that you watch him and you don't go, right? Stanek's a max energy guy, 99, 100, 101. Uh, Maton rarely tops, what, 93? But he's walking nobody. He's not giving up any hits. So whatever's going into it, I don't think he's overhauled his repertoire. He's just been fantastic. And, and that's that. Uh, sustainable at a sub one ERA? Probably not. And one bad outing when you're talking 20, 25, 30 innings pitched can, can move the numbers a little bit. Uh, but with Monte uh, Montero's struggles uh, that Maton has now moved up to where he can be used or Dusty chooses to use him in games where he's ahead uh, because Maton's role pretty much had been, well, they're behind 4-2 in the sixth inning. All right, Phil, go get some outs. Try to keep us in the game. Give us a chance to come back late. Uh, he's obviously been their best reliever overall this season because he hasn't had the little burps that Abreu's had of late. Uh, Ryan Presley's had a couple over the course of the year. So I'm just going to go with credit where it's due. Whatever goes into it, it doesn't matter who the catcher is. Phil Maton's just been pitching his ass off so far this year. Yeah, and throwing a crap ton of curveballs. Yeah. I mean, leave it to the Astros. They don't throw you a lot of fastballs unless that's a really successful pitch for you. So Maton's just throwing enough fastballs. I think some of them are 89, 90 in his most recent appearance. You know, But a lot of them, he's just kind of showing you the fastball out of the zone, and then he goes back to that breaking ball. So he, he's been really good at that. And then he gets that breaking ball over for a strike, and then he throws it in the dirt, and he, he starts changing your eye level, and you start chasing it, and then he'll throw you a high fastball out of the zone. Sometimes guys will chase. So it is working. The depth on that pitch has been incredible. Some of the ones, especially recently, the ones that it looks like he's hanging, guys are swinging right through. I mean, that, that pitch has to be really deceptive the way he's getting swing and misses like that. So how awesome is this just to get – you didn't expect this from Maton. He wasn't even on the playoff roster last year. So just what a bonus found money what he is doing right now. It's typical Astros, right? I mean, yeah. when you just, these guys come out of nowhere and, you know, we, we talked about in the last segment, you know, JP France and Belak stepping up for you when you lose Urquidy and Garcia and you, you can't expect it. And yet, you know, you'll, you'll take it, you know, that, that's found money for you. And, and here, you know, Maton, Josh, you alluded to it. I mean, the curveball has become his most effective pitch and it's not by design. It, it, he, he said he hasn't been working on it. It's just something, I mean, no more than any of his other pitches, but it's just worked so effectively. They just called it more like, so they're just adapting to what he's doing well. Um, and Hector Neris, uh, one, one, nine ERA in uh, 28 Ks and 22 innings pitched. Has he supplanted Rafael Montero as 
your your true setup guy in in the eighth now? I think so for now. Uh, with Abreu, other than uh, a couple of recent outings, being ahead of Neris in the pecking order. Also, free agent to be Hector Neris. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Click signing at two years, seventeen million dollars, which is which has worked out very well. Um, uh, Neris just throws the ball very well. Uh, some guys are cut out for the ninth inning. Some guys are cut out for the seventh and eighth inning. Neris is a closer in Philadelphia. It was, eh, but his overall numbers were pretty good over his tenure there. He was durable. He's, he's been that here. Uh, Dusty's obviously very comfortable using him now as as late as the eighth inning. Um, it was a function of who had pitched Monday as much as anything else, but Dusty Prime trying to prop up Montero a little bit, right? The easiest possible save situation is come in for one inning with a three-run lead, and it was Montero who uh, got that call and worked the one, two, three, ninth for his first save since the first series of the season. So uh, overall, you know, there are a couple of guys who might give you moments of pause, but it remains an embarrassment of riches, of depth there. Uh, even Seth Martinez, after being lousy the first t- couple of three weeks of the season, you know, for your number six re- uh, six relief pitcher, he's doing just fine. And it, it all adds up to the bullpen again being not the best in the game as it was last season, but close enough that it could still wind up there. Yeah. And even after Stanek had the bumpy start to the season, his ERA is down to 3-4-4 now. So, you know, he's starting to, to to find his way. There's just they have so many great options. We're really spoiled with this bullpen. I, I know we saw Presley blow a game the other day, but overall, I mean, this is why you're winning ball games. It's just like last year in the play. It's the pitching. We've seen Charlie, you alluded to it a little bit. Brian Abreu scuffle a little bit. And and obviously, uh I, you don't expect him to be completely unhittable the way that he was last season. Uh, I mean, you'd love it to be, but like, it's, it's not realistic for him to be, I mean, that, that nails. Um, he looked a bit more human in, in recent games. He has season ERA is still only two, one, three, but uh, it's three dot eight, six over his last seven innings pitched. What's your concern level with with Brian Abreu and his ability to kind of settle back into being that high leverage guy that Dusty needs him to be? None. Um, you know, again, the innings level is still low enough that you have one outing where you give up a couple of runs. It can move your ERA a, a half run or more. Um, it's not as if, and, and this is the, the prime beneficial element of having a really good and deep bullpen. I don't have a sense that, boy, Dusty, he, he can't resist going to a Brave, that the guy's on pace to pitch in 95 games. And, you know, in this day, a relief pitcher throwing 90, 100 innings. No, nah, it's not like that. Uh, Mariner Rivera gave up playoff games, right? So did Trevor Hoffman. So did Billy Wagner. So, uh, every pitcher that goes to the mound every once in a while, you're going to get got, right? The other team's on scholarship too. And so that, uh, you have a rough outing or two or a rough week or 10 days, right? It's natural to overreact, especially when you're used to excellence from a particular guy. Uh, Altuve started the playoffs last year. Oh, for 25 at the plate. Uh, Joe Garagiola, the late catcher and broadcaster, I don't know that he coined the phrase, but he wrote a book with it, the title, Baseball is a Funny Game. And it's not fun when you're going through your doldrum stretch, but they happen to pretty much everyone. Even the late, great Tony Gwynn, shorter in duration than pretty much anyone ever else. But, you know, he could have a week where he'd go four for 24. It's not like Tony Gwynn forgot how to hit. I'm pretty sure Brian Abreu hasn't forgotten how to pitch. It's just a little bit of the waves of the season that you need to surf. Yeah, I notice with him, sometimes he gets ambushed with a kind of a get-me-over slider or breaking ball to start in at bat. And 
guys are just waiting on that because he's kind of like Maton in a sense where they throw a bleep ton of sliders with the Brayu. And I mean, this is a guy that can throw 99 miles an hour, but that pitch is so hard to hit. He can throw it for strikes. You know, he can, he can spike it, make you chase it. And, and just looking at the innings pitch, that's who Dusty's relied on the most. It, it's in Maton with a little over 26 innings this year and Brian Abreu with a little over 25. So those two guys have gotten the most work out of the bullpen as of, as of yet. But still neither on pace to work even 80 innings. So if they feel in this day and age, uh-oh, if we're getting over 65, 70, we're really taxing them. Well, then they have the luxury of being able to back off and, and go to some other guys. Uh, but I'm just going to say a uh, mini slump. You know what happens. Stuff. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, what's happening right now is uh, a, a bullpen ERA of three, 3.07. So th- they will take that. We will take that. And uh, and we are happy with the results to see that. Uh, guys, let's move on to the last topic of the afternoon. I want to give an update before we get into the topic. Last week's bottom line question was who hits a home run first, Jose Altuve or Jose Abreu? And as an update, uh, just reminder, I, I took uh, Jose Abreu, just wishful thinking. I was only off by two innings. A loss is still a loss, and it, it almost only counts in horseshoes, but in, in hand grenades, I guess. But the, uh, but yeah. So Altuve beat Abreu by two innings, but uh, you know we we've spent a lot of time questioning, consternating, gnashing teeth, scratching heads about Dusty Baker's lineup. Why isn't Pena in the two hole? Uh, why not move Abreu down in the lineup? Well the return of Jose Altuve kind of facilitated a lot of that. They're the ability to kind of remaneuver that uh, lo and behold, the offense in a small sample size starting to look like it's old self uh, might be too early to say, but how much has Jose Altuve's return and dusty filling out the lineup card different increased your uh, optimism about this Astros offense uh, being able to turn around from that very impotent start at the beginning of the season. Well, it's a fundamental point that you got one of your elite batters back at the top of the lineup. Uh, credit to Mauricio Dubon for what he did in Altuve's absence, but he's no Jose Altuve. You don't have the extra base power. You don't have the uh, the fear instilled in opposing pitchers that Altuve brings. Altuve with six walks strong in his first nine games on, on top of that. So uh, an OPS of a nice tidy 1,000 and change. So, uh, you know, I'll leave it to others to debate the value of trickle-down economics, but trickle-down lineup depth, right? You can push guys down one spot, and, of course, it's going to uh, fortify things. Uh, the one caveat is uh, there used to be a, a hockey team, the Oakland Seals, came the California Golden Seals, and then moved entirely. Uh, look, these A's, it's like clubbing baby seals. So that you hit seven home runs in a game and that the offense goes off out in Oakland – no cause for celebration, unless you're Jose Abreu, take you where you can get it. And uh, look, he's been horrible, sub-horrible, but did provide the single most entertaining moment of the season thus far. Um, Altuve's return does not turn a, a sub-mediocre lineup into an elite lineup, but I think his presence alone should get them on the plus side of the middle, at least. And then it's on some other guys. Bregman's had a, a pretty good three weeks. Uh, Kyle Tucker's been merely... All right, so far this season, his OPS is more than 130 points lower than it was two years ago. It's about 30 points lower than it was last year. So he's been more Prince Tuck than King Tuck so far this season. <laughs> Obviously not beyond the pale for Kyle Tucker to, to amp it up. You know, if you get incremental growth 
from guys that you wouldn't be shocked if you get improvement, right? If a Bray, if you can have an OPS of 640, which is lousy, but Reams better than 540. Uh, if Alex Bregman gets to the 800 range where he's been trying to stay over 700 for, for most of the season and, and he's there now, you know, nickels and dimes add up over time. And, uh, you know, the Astros should be able to get enough dollars that maybe the offense alone can't make them rich, but should have them in a nicer neighborhood. Yeah, I think Pena going back to hitting second. I mean, they've put up graphics about <laughs> like what a difference he is as a hitter when it comes to batting second and batting sixth. And and I noticed, I think it was the uh, maybe the broadcast team giving Dusty some credit. Like, well, let's give Dusty a lot of credit for putting Pena in the two spot and putting Bregman back at four and dropping Abreu to six. I'm like, you mean doing exactly what they did last year that helped them win the World Series? We're giving them credit for that. You know, I guess you flip out Guriel for Abreu. But, I mean, this is what we've been saying all year. It's like, what are you doing? And, and they're finally doing it. And no shock, they're getting results. I, you know, Bregman. He's hitting over 300 in the month of May. He's coming around. He's he's a great fit in that cleanup spot. And then you have Tucker after him. And then hopefully a Bray, you can just improve a little bit. And then you got something. And, you know, you've seen what McCormick can do and Jake Myers and even Jolks. They've got some thump at the bottom of that lineup. So I like what I'm seeing. I hope Dusty just kind of leave it alone. It's working. You know, when Pena was performing well, hitting second, they still moved him. And I didn't really understand why, but but they did. Now it's just leave it alone. It's working. Just stop. Yeah, Josh, your your points uh, on the broadcast last night. They showed Jeremy Pena's OPS when hitting second is one dot two one five. When he's hitting six, it's point six oh nine. So the you know again like we don't want to say, you know, correlation, not causation kind of thing, but the circumstances sure do speak for themselves. It is interesting um, for a guy in Dusty Baker who maybe not believes, but is certainly superstitious enough to move from one end of the dugout to the other end of the dugout to spur offense. It would seem as if when the numbers dictate that Jeremy Pena is more productive in the two hole that you'd leave him there because that actually makes more sense than what position you're sitting in, in the bullpen. But, but Josh, to your point, like they, they do move him around. I guess the, um, you know, Charlie, you talked about Bregman's OPS. It's at 720 right now, but over his past 15 games, he's hitting 333 average and he's at 533 slot. So you'll take that. Hopefully that means, you know, Bregman's doing that thing where he awakens because it looks like Kyle Tucker is doing that thing where he goes to sleep during, uh, you know, for a month at a time during the season. I, I want, we haven't talked about on, on this podcast yet. So maybe this is a, a, an opportunity to bring it up, but Chandler Rome did a deep dive into Tucker's uh, defensive stats and kind of the advanced stats there and talked about how he just hasn't had a great season defensively. Uh, and, I give a lot of credit to Chandler for for kind of fleshing this out because you know with our eyes looks like he's playing a serviceable uh, right field and uh, doesn't embarrass you out there. He's he's had maybe one or two instances in which he's kind of bobbled a ball out there, but nothing too bad. But now that he said that, I've kind of taken notice of how quickly he gets to a ball and how how quickly you know and how accurately he's throwing it in to the infield. Um, what what are your thoughts on that? Because I mean like we kind of take it for granted, but he go, he went to Gary Pettis 
and asked Gary Pettis about it. And Pettis said, yeah, we've, we've noticed he's kind of flat footed in, in certain instances and his positioning's maybe not always what it should be. And his, his footwork's not what we want it to be. Uh, I just find that really incredibly fascinating that something on the surface, you know, doesn't seem to be a problem, but the advanced analytics have flagged it. And obviously it's a concern because Gary Pettis spoke to it. I'll echo that. I, I thought it was a tremendous piece. Uh, on the one hand, acknowledging something that's true. I don't want to go overboard patting a guy on the back, but it's so easy to slough things off. Uh, props to Kyle Tucker for acknowledging, yeah, my defense hasn't been what it needs to be. And for Gary Pettis, right, and football assistant coaches are all but bound and gagged from the media a lot. So for uh, a third base coach, outfield coach to openly say, yeah, he hadn't been so good this season. And here's why. Because it's not like you're giving away the game plan that teams can now say, oh, Kyle Tucker is not going to be flat-footed. We need to try to hit the ball to left field. Um, so, right, acknowledging the problem is is step one. Um, Tucker hasn't been bad defensively, certainly not to the eye. Uh, the evolution of the advancement of defensive, defensive evaluation with analytics certainly has uh, catapulted forward in recent years. But I still think there is some skepticism about certain numbers warranted that in one year a shortstop can go from elite in run saved or ultimate zone rating to the next year mediocre or bad a guy who's 26 years old and then 27 years old so did he lose two steps all of a sudden i still think that there's some nebulous components to the evaluation of of defense uh nevertheless you have to go with the state of the art along with the eye test in how you evaluate defensive players and Kyle Tucker, right, a gold glove winner last year. He's 26 years old. He's not gotten fat. He's not gotten lazy. But the numbers are what they are. But I think the firmest proof in the pudding is when you have the player himself saying, yeah, I haven't been what I need to be. And then you have Gary Pettis uh, backing it up. Uh, that's the athletic, which is paywall if you don't have another means to get it. Uh, but uh, probably as good as anything I, I've read from Chandler Rome to this point. Yeah, it just thinking about this in the moment, you know, a lot of what makes outfielders good is, is getting a good break on a ball, a good jump on a ball, sensing what a pitcher might throw at a certain moment and where the ball might go. And Tucker's playing behind a, a lot of pitchers he's not used to playing behind. So perhaps that has a little bit to do with it. I don't know how JP France works this type of situation or, you know, B lack or some of these other guys. Maybe just he needs to get a little more familiarity and, and let's face it, with with Marisnik and what Jake Myers are doing out in center field, I mean, that's a lot to live up to. Those guys have been fantastic on defense this year, just making some incredible plays. But, yeah, I think maybe maybe he gets a little more familiar with the staff and how they, they attack hitters. Maybe Tucker will improve as the season goes along. It is interesting, the contrast of how forthcoming – the Astros were and this article about defensive positioning and kind of the numbers versus their injuries. Uh, yes. Yes. How, how tight no, they are. Be fine. Any day now it's like and, a hang now. And, and how, now. how uh, often they uh, invoke HIPAA in everything, <laughs> even though that has nothing to do with anything. Uh, but, uh, and, and the back and forth, speaking of, of Chandler, the back and forth between he and, uh, Brian McTaggart about the HIPAA thing as a running joke on Twitter. It's, it's as, it's as good as it gets for nerdy baseball people like us, as far as uh, commentary goes. Um, so guys, 
that takes us to our, we mentioned it a little earlier uh, in this, this last segment, but that takes us to our, our bottom line question of the week. This is where I pose a question to my co-host and then everyone who's watching, you get a guys get a chance to answer. So be sure to put your answers in the comment section below. Guys, this week we saw Jerry Lance get in, yeah, umpire Jerry Lance get into it with Jeremy Pena and hitting coach Alex Centrone, the root of which was Lane's, uh, or is it Lane or Lance? Lane. Lane. Yeah, excuse me. Uh, Jerry Lane. The, so the root of the, the, uh, the brouhaha was Lane's awful strike zone. So during the broadcast, uh, I think it was TK brought up uh, the challenge system that's being tested now within the minor league level. Do you guys think we'll see as you know, we, we've seen the, uh, the, 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 the sport make big steps forward and kind of being embracing new technologies and new rules uh, to speed up the game and make it more concise. Well, you think we'll see a challenge system implemented as early as next year for balls and strikes. Uh, challenge system. I don't think so. I think we either go to the robot uh, laser uh, adjudication of the strike zone or we stick with what we have. Of course, uh, for those who are advocates of going to the, the lasers, well, you're trusting them completely. At the same time, I think part of why you don't go to a challenge, you know, unless it's the most egregious CB Buckner, Remember Angel Hernandez hasn't worked the game since April 30. He's out hurt. Um, <laughs> you know, most egregious misses where the entire ball is within the strike zone. Are you going to completely trust the lasers to overturn an umpire's ball strike call? So uh, my guess is no, we won't go to a challenge system on balls and strikes. Uh, I heard TK talking about that and. I think next year might be a little too quick, but maybe in two years after they have a little more trial with this stuff, see how, see how it goes that we might start getting the robots, the lasers, whatever you want to call it, get them involved. And I mean, I'm not aware how the challenge system works. I mean, how many would you get per game? I know they don't want to slow the game down so that that has to factor in. Right. It does. And I, I, I don't know how many, as far as quantity goes, as far as, you know, how they're, uh, I, I, they're, they are test driving it now in the minors. I don't know how many challenges it is, but I, I think next year's probably too early too. It's just, me being optimistic considering how bad some of the umpiring has been. And I know at this level, these guys are the best that there are. And, and it's a really hard thing to do to, you know, zone uh, with your eye, you know, and be able to call that in real time. It's, it's a super challenge, but that's why technology exists. And so that's why I, th I think it makes a lot of sense. And especially for a sport that really has been kind of pushing the envelope over norms, the challenge system is a good compromise going, instead of going full robo ump, we're not at a place where you'd want to completely rely on the technology, but I do think that uh, being able to get some egregious calls, especially ones that re that result in a strike three that are, that could be, you know, pivotal in the outcome of a game. I think being able to challenge those individual balls and strikes would be super helpful. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. And just like that the show's over. I appreciate everyone for uh, listening. Hey, we see producer Jack who stuck back in towards the end of the show. Uh, for Charlie, Josh, I want to thank everybody who listens every week. Our, our numbers have been gradually going up uh, every week, both on the audio platform and the video platform. So we really do appreciate your support. There's no shortage of platforms and outlets that are covering this stuff. And so for you guys to 
patronize us. We really do appreciate it. So uh, keep coming back. We'll be back at our normal time uh, next week, unless another holiday jumps up on me. But uh, uh, until next time, guys, really do appreciate it. And as always, Ghost Rose.